guys just dig into your life. So, you know. You edit the hell out of this, Mallory? Uh, not the hell out of it, but uh, well, after Jackie did your deal, she did my show right. and continued to cuss. Oh, like <laughs> Taylor. Whoops. You know, I just edited it all. I, we're stupid. I mean, we've got so much good stuff, usually, too, off the air. I'd love to, like, have an archive of those groups just for myself to go back. Anyway. Let's I, talk about music a different way. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Right, big city, yeah. Here's the city. How you feeling? Welcome to Center Cuts, episode 18. Today is May 11th. I'm looking at a calendar, sorry. And we are delighted to have our guest, Chris Aguirre, here from The Bridge. How you doing, Chris? I'm great, man. It's uh, it's nice to be on this side of this process. I love it. And that- I don't have to edit anything or think about anything, pick out any music. Let it fly. <laughs> And, and that's really exciting. Chris Mowry, our producers, and that we're all zooming away. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing good. We've got double duty on Chris's. Mm. Um, but that was exciting, too, you know, reaching out to you about being a guest on our podcast. And we're so appreciative. Just I like the fact that we can turn the tables a little bit and uh, allow you to sit back and uh, let us pick your brains about all things music, Kansas City, life in general. Yeah, I like it. Um, and I'm feeling a little rusty Chris Mowry, I think the last time we actually released one was a month ago. Uh, mm-hmm. Michelle Bacon did her station to station four with Julia Hale, which was lovely. And then we kind of took a week off. So bear with us today. If I'm a little rusty, we'd like to start off each episode just talking a little bit about a calendar. And funny as it may be, Chris Agarian just recently started up another concert calendar. Was that a couple weeks ago, Chris? Yeah, it was to coincide with my show last Tuesday. Okay, that was just so that would have been the May fourth eight one sixty show. May fourth eight one sixty, phenomenal. And everybody, if you don't know, you can catch Chris's program every Tuesday night six o'clock. Chris, yep, six to seven. And uh, as I mentioned, Chris put together a calendar. I mean, live music is slowly but surely. It seems like in a spurt. Maybe in the last two weeks, all of a sudden, just coming back. Right. And you listed Jesus a hundred dates. Uh, probably more than that but yeah it was it was just an effort there's a lot of the bridge has a great concert calendar for some bigger uh ticket shows but i was trying to put some of the smaller stuff out there and so many things have been moved or rescheduled or canceled and uh depending on where you're looking like polestar you know used to be the bible of entertainment dates is a ghost ship right now Mm -hmm. there's so many canceled things on there and do 816 was a great resource for a while, but kind of the same problem. And um, hopefully that comes back. But I just wanted to put something together for my own sake uh, so I can, you know, reach out to some of these folks and just have a better gauge on what all is coming. And it's also people need people have needed something to look forward to. And I think that concert calendars help that. Yeah. And I know I look forward to concert dates and the first tickets I'd bought to anything and for so long were the Royals game this past Sunday. And it was fun to buy tickets <laughs> just because <laughs> I hadn't bought tickets to anything for so long. And I had been to a show the week previous, but it was a pay at the door deal. Um, but other than that, I hadn't been to a concert for like 230 days since me and you went to Shiner. 
That's right. At um, Lemonade God. Park. That was that long ago? That was six months? Yeah, it was a long time. It was September. Four. Nine. Yeah. Um, hey, can I ask you too, how do you keep, do you, like I'm old school, I keep a paper calendar and I've got my Google, how do you keep track of all that stuff? My life is a Google Doc. Okay. It's Understood. a series of Google Docs with different bridge things and one for each client and uh, so many Google Docs. Really appreciate you again sharing that on socials. You do so much to promote local artists and I would say Kansas City, but also national artists. What, what's on your radar? Again, our show is always a little dated. This is coming a week in the next week, month, 2021. Doesn't have to be Kansas City related artists either. One of the things that you can't buy a ticket to now, but I'm really excited about are those Kevin Morby Waxahachie dates, June 6th, 7th, 8th down at Lemonade Park. And then Waxahachie is coming back August 31st out, August 31st out at Knuckleheads. And I believe that is sold out as well with the Shy Boys. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, in my Facebook memories, a couple weeks ago, it was the seven year mark of the time Waxahachie played at Old Czar Bar. Oh, wow. And I think there was like 12 of us there. I know me and uh, Jackie Becker were there. And then the same thing with when Waxahachie played at the old jackpot in Lawrence. Maybe there was like 20 people there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm such a fan of Katie Crutchfield. That's her real name. Her music that I'm so glad it's catching on now finally and even better how cool is it that she lives here in kansas city now yeah um but i'm excited for that um i think that's a it's awesome that that can happen and hopefully every time she plays here now will be a big show next time maybe it's the uptown instead of uh, smaller rooms Mm -hmm. but i'm excited for that um katie gian and the drive along with cat king are going to be down at lemonade park june 26th Katie Gann, they all just got out of the studio, which, I mean, that's one of the greatest times to see a band uh, when you're coming straight out of the studio like that. So that'll be a fun show to see. So many things down at Lemonade Park, which, of course, uh, Chris Mowry is a huge part of. Um, Calvin's down there, July 10th. Kadesh Flow with New Black City, July 16th. But um, Another place, it's farther off, but if you want to go to anything, you need to buy your tickets now because every ticket, (laughs) tickets are selling so fast because no one's done anything for 16 months. Yeah. But um, the Granada has just three great shows on the books. Japanese Breakfast, Julian Baker, and Purity Ring, all in the fourth quarter. But if you want to go, you got to get it now. Yep. A little closer to now, uh, August 12th, Looks like that might be the return of the Midland Theater with Wilco and Slater Kenny. And then really excited for September 21st. Uh, And again, September will be the stupidest month of the calendar year here in Kansas City. Um, But July, uh, rather September 21st, Dinosaur Jr. down at the Truman. But I know there's three art fairs, the American Royal, the Chiefs will be going. Um. It's just going to be an insane September, as it always is here. Yeah, you pretty much named every single thing prominent, at least for me, on on my radar. I'm excited for Katie. I wanted to go see her at Knuckles when they did their album release. I was like last February. It was freaking cold. And went to Record Bar and saw Claire. Chris, I think you were there that night. Uh, Adams and then out of the ship. It was just horrible cold weather. And then 
that was really it. You know, like the next month it was pandemic. Yeah. So I'm excited to see or hear their new music. The Kevin Morby shows were fired up in a Herman Mahari's going to be in town for that. Right. Yep. That looks to be a freaking blast. And they're, you know, intimate 200 people. Uh, and something I will say about that too, is I, I know there's a lot of people that were like kind of bummed that they didn't get tickets for that. Um, just for, so everybody knows it's not like Kevin's like normal show. Like he's not going to have his full band up there and they're not going to be rocking out. It is going to be very chilled out, very relaxed. Like it's, yeah. it's just going to be a very, like, it's going to be a different kind of experience than if you've seen Kevin before than what you, what you've seen before. Got you. Um, and that week, that whole week, at Lemonade is a, I don't want to say it's a problem, but it's <laughs> June 2nd is our first movie night. Uh, we're showing uh, Matthew Donahue's Wretch. Um, yeah. So it's a local local film. Uh, then the next day, uh, so June 2nd, that's also my birthday. So that's why I'm trying, this whole week is just madness. Then June 3rd is the Making Movies show. Then we have right. the shows that weekend. And then that Sunday is the start of Kevin Morby and Waxahachie. Right. So like that whole week is going to be absolutely nuts. A couple of things that are on my radar that are just um, kind of national touring things that I saw got announced recently. One of my favorite records of all time, Motion City Soundtracks, Commit This to Memory 17th Anniversary Tour is playing at the Granada on January 25th. Um, I just saw that like 30 minutes ago. Yeah. 2022. Um, 2022, yep. Uh but that stuff will all go fast, like ev- all these things. And then uh, Group Love, Wednesday, September 22nd. Uh, my buddy works for them, so I can't wait Did to you see who the opener is. Yep, Black Star Kids, which is awesome. Yeah. 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 Chris and I were talking about them yesterday. And again, I'm excited for those. The Dinosaur Juniors. I haven't seen them since the bottleneck, probably in 90. <laughs> um, Bug maybe was out, 88. I don't even remember. Um, got those tickets from Wilco from last year and Slater Kenny. I'm wondering how that's going to work on the floor. Um, and then you mentioned, you know, we've got Calvin, we've got Calvin out there in July, Kadesh's flow with new black city. Um, we actually, I think are just ready to announce our bill for, uh, center cut summer solstice on June 18th, which I guess I can do now. Can I, uh, the flyer's done, uh, we'll be Kadesh's flow. <laughs> we can edit. done, So it's done. Yeah, uh, I haven't sent it to Steve yet. Kadesh Flow, The Black Creatures, and The Freedom Affair. We're super fired up about that. I mean, that's pretty much how I'm spending my days right now. It's just trying to place things on the calendar so I can go see who I want to see and promote our shows. It's nuts. Well, and if this comes out next Tuesday, is that the goal? May 18th? Yeah. In one year, Rage Against the Machine, Run the Jewels at T-Mobile Center. That's the date? 2022. Got nice. you. That's so excited for that one. That's did, your, did your tickets just transfer over? Are they just honoring all those tickets that people bought from yeah. the original tour? Nice. I mean, that's the thing is like hardly anyone's getting rid of them because that whole thing sold out in seconds. Right. The whole tour every day. And they did a deal where every seat cost the exact same. Every seat right. was $145 after fees in that building, regardless of row. Right. Wow. Yeah, my I've got my I still get physical tickets, so I've got the Wilco ones. I'm just curious how they're going to limit that floor. Again, everybody, if you're interested, check out Chris's Facebook page. That's not you don't have a Facebook page for 8160, do you? No. Okay. It's I I purposely mispronounced Chris's name. I told him to spell it, but it's H A G H I R I A N. And to find this list, 
He lists a lot of other, you know, some smaller venues too. I'm excited about what's going on at Raj Mahal. They, they have a really great lineup. Um, you've been doing stuff at Buffalo State Pizza. Uh, way to I'll, support. Yeah, I was, I was going to say too, and especially with what you were saying, Chris, you were saying September. Um, there's a lot of stuff that people haven't been able to announce yet that there's going to be like August, like August, September, November, there's just going to be an explosion of shows and, and limited staff to make sure that all the venues and stuff are ready to go and do those things. So, and the overlap is already happening. Uh, glass yeah. animals is the same night as group love with black star kids. Right. And that's definitely a like-minded person. Yes, yeah. absolutely. This, but that's exciting though. Don't you think the city's getting to be big enough? Um, it's exciting. It's exciting. And well, I mean, technically the group love show is in Lawrence and right. the other one is at Providence, right? Or yeah. not Providence anymore. That's not uh, Azure Credit Union. Right. Sandstone. Uh, they, uh, <laughs> I'm contractually obligated to call it Azure Credit Union. Is it Jura? Azura? Uh, I, I don't know. I thought it was Azura. Azura. No idea. But yeah, Chris, you bring up a great point about the fall. I have a friend who's been wanting to host a, a blowout. There's like a farmstead, it's a house over on 83rd and Warnell. She's like, I've got it in September. Let's get a bunch of bands and food trucks. And she started throwing out dates. I'm like, nope, September 11th, that's Crossroads Music Festival. September <laughs> oh, yeah. 1st, that's, that's Plaza Art Fair. Uh, we have a and, meeting about Crossroads Music Festival on Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. Middle of the map? 2022. Yeah. Talk to you later. Okay. Chris is wearing a middle of the map shirt. We should talk about that. Well, that's pretty good on a calendar. Are we missing anything, guys? Probably. We're chalk. Yeah. <laughs> For sure we are, but we named we named some good stuff. Welcome back to Center Cuts. We're here with Chris Agarian, our producer, Chris Mowry. Chris, you do so many things, and we're going to dig into your work, specifically at the bridge, but also with like some of the events we just talked about in the calendar. I'm trying to remember, I should have, I forget to do this every time. I do my homework, don't get me wrong, when we have guests on, but to find the day when we had lunch three years ago uh, at the Mexican restaurant. Is it three years ago? It was... Uh, Los Alamos on the west side. That's right. Know, two and a half, three years ago, yes. Yeah, I think I first really, I mean, I've seen you over the years. We moved back here in 2005, pretty much since I moved back, going to shows. You mentioned the Zar Bar. God, I'll never forget that, um, that like water for chocolate uh, tribute. Common tribute. Holy smokes. It was like snowing. It was like St. Patrick's Day. I was at South By. Oh, got you. 
I uh, missed that one. I, I've just seen, I'd seen you so many times over the years and just like, well, I guess he likes music and then figured out, ah, oh, he's with Inc., et cetera, et cetera. But I would say it was probably the Crossroads Music Fest Mix Master 2018. So that okay. was three years. Yeah. Where I was like, I'm going to go talk to this guy, find a little bit more about it. Um, so we met and I got your life story. And just like James McGee, our last guest, I took notes and I don't know where they are now. Are you from KC? Did we talk about that? Uh, I don't know if we have, but uh, no, I'm not. I, I grew up in St. Joseph, Missouri, you know, an hour north of here. And then um, when I went, I went to college over in Lawrence at KU. And then I moved to Kansas City in 1999. Um, my junior summer of college, I interned with the Kansas City Star. And okay. then uh, I started working with the Star they hired me, I think, in April. Then I took off three weeks between college and real life. And uh, and then I started working at the Star June 7th, 1999. 20... I was there for 21 years. Until, until the pandemic. Until they laid off a whole bunch of us in uh, July 2020 with the pandemic, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, tell us a little bit about the young Chris in... St. Joseph. I don't have any other guests. From Chris in St. Joseph. Yeah, I, I, you know, a pretty, I guess, regular life. Mom, dad, uh, younger sister, eight, 18 months younger than me. Um, You're the oldest. Yep. My mom is is a teacher, and uh, my dad ran when I was growing up. He ran a bar, the Ramada Inn, the bar at the Ramada in St. Joe. Then he ran a couple of restaurants and. I blame him for my work ethic because uh, that guy never stopped hustling. Mm -hmm. um, high school me, I was in charge of the school newspaper and uh, I staggered my schedule. So I'd have like lunch, study hall, then newspaper. So I was 16 year old me running around St. Joe selling ads in the middle of the day for my high school newspaper. Oh, wow. And then uh, we got out of school at 255. I put a tie on and drive five minutes and go to work from three to 11, carrying out groceries at uh, green Hills in uh, St. Joe, and then uh, go home, do homework and then do the high school thing. Put you to work early. Your mom, did your mom teach you? She, was she elementary school teacher? Um, she, she taught uh, learning disabled kids and emotional. Yes. I can't, I can't remember the abbreviation. Special needs, special needs students. Special needs students in St. Joe and um, different school districts she was in than, than I went to. I went to Gene Field Elementary School, named after Eugene Field, the poet. And I, I just was just told they're actually closing my old elementary school. Oh, yeah. just is it an old building? Are they just declining the population? or? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know much about the political scene in St. Joe right now. Yeah. Got you. Oh, I, I just asked that, you know, just as a former teacher, I feel like sometimes when you're in a teacher family, you become a teacher too. Oh, yeah. No, because you don't want to be like your parent and or you were stuck in their classroom like my child was and you just don't ever want to <laughs> don't ever want to do that. Yeah. Involved in, I don't think I knew that about you, the newspaper. Was it just an extracurricular was that an actual course it was a course and then then I, when i went to college 
I was on the KU student paper for three years. Okay. And that's how I met people like Jackie Becker and Brett Mosman. And I remember Jeff Fortier, mm -hmm. uh, those people. When I was a kid, I, I met Jackie Becker in 1997 and uh, a long time ago. Yeah. I got out of Lawrence in 91. So we're definitely. I met her at your old stomping ground. I met her at Free State Brewery. We were oh, having lunch there. I was selling ads for the University of Daily Kansas student newspaper to the all the accounts on Mastery, all the music shop, uh, music venues. I see, I see. Uh, I want to go back to still young you. Were you into music? I mean, that's just a common question I ask everybody. Did, In sixth grade, I got an F three uh, for playing the trumpet, and um, I had a hard time lying where the rest of my class didn't. But the three meant little to no effort, and that was based on my practice cards. F, oh, so it was an F, but it was F three. I, I was supposed to play the trumpet, and I I never practiced. And we had these pra uh, practice cards <laughs> that look sort of like your vaccination cards, and uh, you're supposed to track your how many hours a week you practice. And I just didn't, and I never lied, and I got an F three. Um, other than that, I've never played music. Um, Anybody in the house? Your little sis or you know what's funny no she didn't but um there was a piano in our living room for my entire life as a, as a until i left the house at, at at 18 and um then my mom eventually moved to kansas city and her upstairs neighbor became nick siegel mm. and kansas city musician and amazing pianist she gave him the piano that was in my childhood home and he's now recorded music on it, which I've played on my radio show. Oh, wow. Wow. And he's Amazing. teaching his kids how to play a piano on that piano. Wow. Which is she, really cool. Your mother didn't play? It was just in the house? I mean, nobody ever touched that thing. Okay. It held like a Christmas village during the holidays. <laughs> the piano bench held the daily copy of the St. Joseph News Press, the newspaper up there. Yeah. But otherwise... It was just this giant piece of furniture, a shelf, basically. Oh, yep, I, I've seen that before. Yeah. Were your parents music fans? Like, was music on in the house? My mom sang at the church, in uh, the church choir, and cantered by herself. And uh, my dad would turn up like MTV really loudly, and uh, when he was getting ready for work, that kind MTV? of MTV. Yeah. And. um my mom listened to John Denver and that stuck with me. I, I still love John Denver. Yeah. And then she'd also listen to like uh, some church stuff. Mm -hmm. But um, my favorite was my dad would have, uh, as I mentioned, he immigrated from Iran. He had two cassette tapes and me and my sister, before I ever knew what the red or blue album was from the Beatles, I, we referred to them as the red and blue cassette tapes. And they were this Persian like pop kind of hip hop stuff. Cool. And I loved listening to those and hit when he would drive around in his car and he'd play those tapes. And um, that stuck with me too. I've always liked that sound. And um, late last year, I don't know, I was doing a, maybe I listened to too many lyrical things, but on Spotify, I just threw on the, the Persian, the hip hop list, the playlist and listened to it for days. I have no idea what they were saying. 
Yeah. It was just this like cleanse of uh, hiding from lyrics for a little while in the middle of a pandemic. But, um, and then I inherited some of his old uh, seven inches, some of his old 45s from Iran and cleaned them up. And uh, they're pretty interesting stuff. I bet. I'm trying to think of the name of the female singer, the vocalist. She's a freaking, is it Gagouche? He's a superstar. It's like disco. I couldn't name anybody. And again, I don't understand anything. Like I said, Hoda right. is pretty much my limit, but I, I feel it. I, I dig the beat. And again, the whole cassette culture. But that's a trip. Your dad was listening. That was kind of the heyday MTV at that time. I mean, like 120 minutes was like 90, 91, 92, 93. Oh, I remember watching that all the time when I was in high school and stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was so much exposure to new music. I, I'd even compare it to a place like The Bridge. You know, that's just where you went to to find new music discovery. Before fragmentation. Yeah. Well, before it turned into like a reality TV. Well, yeah, that I just meant before music turned into a, a gazillion fragmented channels, like you could turn that on and that was the thing. Uh, the alternative, um, I can still remember learning Beth Orton from there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Kurt yeah. Loder, was that the, no, I don't think Kurt Loder hosted that. It was in Matt Pinfield. Okay, okay, wow, good memory. Um, so no musical training, not necessarily on in the house. You you obviously like to write, though, if you're on the newspaper, or did you just like to put things together? I wrote and I sold ads and mm. marketing stuff. I think I think what drew me to it my junior year was just like, I like to know stuff, like current events and know what's happening. And that was always exciting when you were at the Kansas City Star. You just had a good pulse for things. Like you knew what was happening if – New businesses were coming to town or new restaurants were opening or when in so when I started working with bands, of course, then you learn that what bands are coming to town before other people know. And I, I, I've told people before and me and Jackie Becker, I've talked about this, like I never want to lose that excitability for when a concert gets announced that I'm that I love. Mm -hmm. I want I want that to go on for, you know, until my last breath of being able to get excited when a band you love gets announced to come on a tour. Yeah. Well, and you both mentioned it. We were talking just about, you know, our calendar. It's, it's given some people some hope. I think especially when Lemonade Park and the ship started doing some outdoor events last year, it was like for right. the first time I, again, and it's, it was very safe, you know, people are, are hesitant, understandably, but it just gave people, and even this year, you know, coming back to see some outdoor things again, it's for the first time for a lot of people. It's very been a very cathartic and, you know, some positive energy for them. That's what right. I was just talking about that with um, Kale Parks. He's the drummer for Kiana White. <clears throat> and he um, he lived in Brooklyn for a long time and played with Yaysayer and has traveled the world, played a lot of places. And he was just talking about, like, how there was just no place that was doing what we were doing. Like Lemonade Park is like, like maybe other, like because so many musicians played it last year and people were seeing it, like people are like, how are you playing shows? And Kale would like yeah. send them a link and be like, look, like this is how they're like, this is, they're doing it. Like, you know, they figured it out. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's just, it was so fascinating to me that like Lemonade Park was the only, it seemed like one of the only places in the entire country where people could go and see live music for like all of last mm -hmm. year. 
mm-hmm. like Nashville didn't do it. You know, well, Nashville probably did, but they, the restrictions were just not, non-existent. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, like safely go see a show without like having right. to stress about like really getting sick or something. Right. Right. Um, so let's, what you, so you crossed, you went to the dark side, you went to KU from, from, uh, Joplin. What, what, St. Led, Joe. St. Joe. Oh, sorry. St. Joe. Sorry. I was thinking of Brenton Cook, one of our guests. Um, what led you to KU? You just want to get the heck out of, uh, my grandfather, uh, graduated from KU in 1940. And, oh. uh, my mom would tell the story of how at my, at their house, he had this pillow that was a folded up blanket. And I asked him one time, I said, grandpa, why do you have a woodpecker on that pillow? And he's like, son, that's a Jayhawk. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, it kind of all went from there. And, um, I love KU and um, I outgrew the rivalry nonsense. I, I don't, I, 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 that stuck with me when I was in college, but I don't care about it now. Now I root for anybody that brings money into the city, uh, whether it be sure. KU, Iowa State, K State, MU, whoever can play a, 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 a tournament in downtown Kansas City the longest with the fans that travel the farthest. I want that team to do well. Yeah. <laughs> The more hotel nights and more more dinners they eat in town <laughs> is right. better for everybody. So that's how I'll root. Uh, but yeah. Dedicated. Yeah. And I wasn't a KU fan going to school there. It just, it was going to be cheap and it was in state. Did you say you worked for the Daily Kansan? Yes. I worked there for three years. Oh, wow. So starting like sophomore year, freshman year, right? Uh, second semester freshman year I started. Okay. And again, marketing, sales all marketing and sales and um but that that taught me the ropes for my future job at the kansas city star sure and then now it's i met like i said met brett mosman and jackie becker and brett who ran who ran pipeline and until a couple years ago ran the venue behind grinders and puts a lot of shows in town and jackie's got her fingers all over town now and all over lawrence and um but I'm, I'm, I'm so glad. I'm so lucky. I got to meet them back then. Yeah. Roots. But yeah. 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 I mean, you talk about the bottleneck. I mean, that was just I, working at the free state. We were done at 11, you know, you had to wash glass or, but basically you're out of there by 1130 if we hustled and we could still catch, you know, a set or two right, right, right next door and then head over to the jazz house until three. And then, you know, and those were, those are the ways where you would again, find those touring national acts uh, before, you know, there was no alternative press. There was no underground stuff like new wave or alter. There was no alternative rock at that point. So, you know, you discover a band like the Lemonheads for some, for example, playing for two bucks on a Tuesday night, you know, and 20 right. people there like, this is freaking awesome. But then they would, but then they would support, you know, the local artists at that time, Lawrence or, or KC artists. I would say probably even more so than in Kansas city at that time, with the exception of the Grand Emporium. Um, so it sounds like you just jumped right in. You just found your groove. Like, had you been to like live shows? Back? Um, my first show was in 93. I saw Van Halen yeah. out at uh, Sandstone. And um, I would have been, I would have just turned 16. And it was a crazy night. I was, my buddy, Timmy Criswell, he was a couple weeks older than me. And 
he, his family had a lot more money than other families I was friends with. And they bought him a car and uh, it was a convertible. And um, we drove down here and the summer of 93, if anyone lived around here was the summer of floods. Yeah. And, uh, everything was flooded here. And, um, but Vince Neal opened uh, separate from Motley Crue opened for Van Halen and um, my buddy's car, Timmy's car overheated on the way in to Sandstone. And uh, we ended up missing the entire opening set and then walked in from very far away, uh, very late. <laughs> Got you. Oh, but, walked uh, in because the car didn't start? No, yeah, it was, it was, it was toast. Oh. And then after the show ended, we waited until the entire lot cleared so we could drive straight out and wouldn't have to idle in traffic. Oh. And then oh. we picked up two hitchhikers. <laughs> Sounds like a great time. Wow. What a great first time. Was that 16, man? That wasn't OU812. I'm trying to think. That was Sammy era for sure. Uh, Yeah. Okay. It was I, the right here, right now tour. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. I, I joined the P. I left KC that May of 93. I seem to remember that show, though, coming to Sandstone. I was like, it's no David Lee Roth. No thanks. I, I couldn't get into it. So you, you probably saw some national artists like some bigger shows yeah we would come down and go to shows at sandstone and kemper like i remember i saw eric clapton down mm -hmm. at kemper when i was in high school mm -hmm. a bunch of my friends were guitar you know enthusiasts and um, when unplugged came out i remember that was a huge deal yeah uh, eric clapton unplugged and a lot of my buddies played guitar still play guitar and um but i remember going not coming down for that but you know not 15 years after I left St. Joe, it started getting some bands like Radke. And yeah, uh, there was a band up there for a little while called Islet that uh, I really liked. And um, a few other things came out of there. Uh, Mike Bransfield, better known as Sumo. Uh, he came out of St. Joe. He's in Dola White and he's had other projects over the years. Hmm. But uh, there's been a few people that have come out of there and done some interesting things music wise. But when I was there, I mean, R.L. Brooks is from St. Joe and he's mm -hmm. done so much for music and in, in Kansas City, but I didn't know him when I was there. I'm a little, I'm a few years older than him. But when I was there, I don't, didn't know anything about concerts in St. Joe or live music in St. Joe. Yeah. We'd come down here to stuff. And then when I went to KU, that's when, you know, started going to Bottleneck and the Granada and all those sorts of things. I think for a lot of people, you know, I mean, young people across the country, that is really when you start dipping your toes into it, obviously, if you're drinking age to get into certain spaces and stuff like that. But I think that Lawrence has always really had a, just a good community there to support all types of different artists. This jacket don't keep me warm. This jacket don't keep me warm, it's nothing like your arms, no But it's not like you used to do This jacket don't keep me warm That's what summer was for But the fall came, then the fall came, then it all came down All came crashing down I've been cold since you've been found Yeah, 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 yeah. I've been low since you in the ground Why you 
Well, so college, Lawrence was good. That was great. Continued some of your interest from high school on. And then did you come out of there working for the star or was that? Yeah, I started at the star three weeks after college. And then that was 99. And when I started at the star, I worked with churches and uh, religious and nonprofit groups Mm -hmm. for like seven or eight years. And uh, it doesn't sound cool, but it was actually a lot of fun. And um, it was, they'd given me this I, this product and kind of let me do whatever I wanted to do with it. And at that time, faith and religion was a little different uh, than it is now, for sure. Mm-hmm. But Johnson County churches were all just building these mega churches and all this money. And it allowed them to do a lot of interesting marketing which sounds really foreign especially now but Mm -hmm. um i got to help him with all that stuff and then uh and then in 2007 we started talking about launching a young reader publication and uh, i was like i gotta be a part of this (laughs) and that was the pre-planning for what became inc magazine which launched in april 2008 and then um that kind of changed everything for me uh, that let me meet more and more music people, more promoters, more big organizations and lots of restaurants and entertainment things. Mm-hmm. That was 2008, you said? April? Yep, 2008, yeah. I, I clearly remember the front inside front cover. It had a picture of the staff. Yeah. It started with like four of you. And it seemed like maybe a year or so later, there were like 20 I don't think I'm exaggerating either. There was a lot of us. And the whole freaking page. What was crazy about that page, it was very simple. It was a question, and then we all answered it. Right. And uh, we did it in our own handwriting, which I appreciated. And then they changed it to just typeface, and I hated that. But I would run into perfect strangers at shows or concerts, or, or it was just, I remember I walked into a burrito joint in the river market. It was a burrito brothers that was called down there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the guy said to me, he's like, I walked in the door and he's like, bananas and diet Coke. And I'm like, what? And he's like, that was your answer this week. Bananas and diet Coke. And it was like, what's your grocery store mainstays or something like that. And it's like, it was just so funny how that page just resonated with people so much. Yeah. And um, I didn't look like anyone else really on that page. It was a lot of uh, young women Mm-hmm. that were part of the paper and then me um and maybe that helped but i like that page and uh yeah. then ink we lost ink uh i don't know the last date of it but in like the 2018 air area probably 2019 area and then um i stayed on with the star for a little while until covid but yeah well and let's just talk about that for a second too Again, I don't want to go into the, the details with ink, but I got to tell you, I missed it when it was away. It, it served a very, I don't say it wasn't distinct from the pitch, but it was another view. And it, you definitely had some different writers, some different attitudes, different coverage. Yeah. And I, again, we moved back here in 2005 and I want to know what was going on. Like you said, I wanted to look, show movies that were coming up, whatever, Kansas sure. City events. And those two publications 
I mean, it was just one or the other, just left and right. I want to read them both. And there was some, you know, duplicity. I mean, some multiple reporting of the same topics, I suppose. Right. But no, that was like, that's how I found out about things. Yeah. And, you know, that was the goal, I think, of, um, I think the, the pitch might have taken a little bit of a harder stance on things. And we were kind of more glowy, mm-hmm. a little happier mm-hmm. uh, than they were. And, uh, but it was a lot of fun to work on and put together and we did so much fun stuff. Yeah. Um, for a long time. And, you know, that birth for me, I'm wearing the shirt, middle of the map. Yeah. And, um, without that, I wouldn't have got that. Got you. Got you. Was it just readership or was it just like sponsorship marketing dollars not there? Or it was just time to go just run his course. I uh, you don't have to answer. I mean, there's probably a lot of ways to answer that, but I mean, I think the world changed a little bit, and um, I think there would have been ways to adapt and and have it last longer. Mm-hmm. But it was, I I don't think it was there was room for that. Okay, okay. So middle of the map. Let's talk about that for a second. We'll go back to the start. That mm-hmm. started was that 11 years, Chris? 2011. <laughs> yeah. Where did that? brainstorm come up from so, i mean it's a bit it was a huge event i don't say it was because it's coming back right it'll still happen yeah so okay. it was 360 days before five days shy of a year of the festival in 2011 me and nathan roosh met at reverse on the plaza and um we had a mutual friend it might have been jen hack who worked with ink and the star for a long time and She's like, hey, would you meet with this guy? He wants to talk about maybe doing a music festival. And Nathan just flat out asked Nathan Roosh of uh, the record machine. He said, what do you think about throwing a music festival? And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. (laughs) And then I said, I'll go ask my boss for some money. And um, I went and asked my boss, Michelle Jolis, for twenty five thousand dollars. And then I went out and sold, I think it was like $64,000 in, in sponsorships. Whoa. And, um, and then we made this festival happen. And I had, I had been to South by a few times and Nathan had been several times to South by and no, we had no intention to who wants to create another festival in a grassy field, but we wanted to create a teeny tiny, very small, teeny tiny sliver of what we liked about South by Southwest, which is music in proper venues and things that can become venues and to showcase acts we like, and as well as bring an acts from out of town to attract people that like those bands. And then they'll watch our friends bands open for them and hopefully in turn fall in love with our friends bands. Mm-hmm. And two, we were friends with all the bar and venue owners. So we wanted to help our friends out and like Steve Tulipana at old record bar and new record bar and lemonade park and at Dallas and Timmy over at riot and all those kinds of folks. And, um, and old Beaumont club, which is now a barbecue joint, Mm -hmm. but, um, (laughs) that's how all that started. And we just kind of got really lucky that first year we had Daniel Johnston, and he emotionally connected with so many people, particularly large music nerds. 
and they all came out to see him. And then we had a, I'm not going to remember their name now, but they're from Ireland uh, on that first festival. They were on their way to Coachella and two door cinema club. What was it? Was it two door cinema club? Two door cinema club. Thank you, Mari. This is the first year. First year. They were on their way to South by coming back from South by Southwest, I think. And that was strategic too. We, we wanted to be between South by and Coachella because we knew everyone was out between those two events. Mm-hmm. And uh, somehow we got Tudor Cinema Club to play the very first middle of the map for a pittance of money. And um, I recently told Nathan a story about that and he didn't even know this story. This is, this is the quick version of that story. Tudor Cinema Club, now a huge band playing big on uh, a lot of big festivals. Um, they arrive in Kansas City coming in from a bus on I-70, coming from the east, and they get here <laughs> and they say in their accents, what's the number for the police? And we tell them, and I'm like, what happened? And they said that the compartment on their bus came open somewhere near the stadiums. And out of the bus toppled their road case holding, this is 2011, this is holding all their iPods and their, old, uh, their existing microphones they were using some pretty essential stuff to their show. And so they get there and then my boss throws them in their SUV, her SUV and goes and drives them around I-70 trying to find this road case that God knows where it is. And then hours later, some old dude finds the road case and it has a stencil on it. And then he goes to uh, that band's website, sees her at the Beaumont Club, calls the Beaumont Club. This is when clubs would actually answer a phone call. And... <laughs> Uh, emo answers the phone and then is like, yeah, can you bring it to the venue? So this old man brings this road case of their mics and iPods back to the Beaumont club. And then uh, I remember the tour manager and the band manager were out with them and they got in an argument because they were like, you got to tip this guy. You got to tip this guy some money for bringing back the road case. And um, they fought to it. And uh, so they gave him $200 and they let him pick one of each T-shirt from their merch booth. And I, I think he had a granddaughter. And uh, that was our first year. Wow. Wow. That's a great. Uh, welcome to Kansas City, guys. Well, who, yeah. <laughs> so who else was on that one? Because I remember going to Tudor Cinema Club. That was, what were the main head? That was Daniel Johnson and Tudor. And um, Ravenettes were at, right. at the record bar that year. Like pulling it. it up i just tried to google it and it's really hard to find uh like the original flyers and chris were you were you reaching out to these artists was nathan involved in that as well or is it just like a tag team deal or um nathan was involved on the national stuff and i would help with the local stuff but on that lineup cursive played out of mm-hmm. omaha uh daniel johnson l1011 uh, Margo and the Nuclear So and Sos. I think they're from yep. Bloomington. I went to that. Yeah. Uh, Small Black, which are are still one of my favorite bands. Um, the Ravenettes, a really dark uh, musician named Tamarin, which I I wish would have gone farther. But there was about is Maps, you know, was Maps and Atlases on that one as well, or was that the next year, the following year? Must have been the next year. Those those like blend those two blend together for me, and it's hard for me to pick out which year. 
we also had apple seed cask and casket lottery and you know just it was a it was a lot of fun and we literally had no idea what we were doing <laughs> but it worked and um uh, and then that next year was lightning in a bottle um 2012 we uh we'd heard about this band that we both liked uh they were called the format and then they changed their name to fun mm-hmm. and we had heard that this is like august september before the festival in april that this band fun was going to collaborate with kanye west and we thought well that's awesome and that that should probably lend and become something pretty big and then so we booked them in like september and then you know who would have known they ended up collaborating with Janelle Monet from right here in Kansas City on a song called "We Are Young." And in 2012, for six weeks in that spring, they had the number one song in America. And the third week of that six-week run was "Middle of the Map," mm. when Fun played here. Now, of course, they were huge for a while and have have just aren't anything anymore but um jack antonoff is now the producer for everyone he's produced taylor swift and he did saint vincent and now he's in bleachers and bleachers come back and several times since then and but that was a crazy moment in 2012 when they played old beaumont club just hadn't seen or ever clearly never been a part of anything like that moment yeah, I couldn't. I remember I couldn't get a ticket. I was late to the there road. Was no, there was no way I was getting into that. I was just like, "There's no way I'm getting in." Yeah. <laughs> the line very literally went from the front door of Beaumont Club to the front door of Kelly's, and uh, Red Bull was a sponsor that year, and we had really great video, a highlight reel, and they did a slow pan sped up of that entire line, and it was such a, a stressful but really happy moment. Uh, to see that yeah i, I would say yeah. i that was, was just the second year the second year, that was yeah. second year so i was a huge fan of their album aim and ignite which in 2009 which is still fantastic uh but it doesn't sound anything like some nights did in 2012 like that was yeah. more poppy uh mm. that aim and ignite sounded way more like the um the format uh did but mm-hmm. great mm-hmm. band uh, yeah, that was just, uh, I remember when that happened, I was like, oh, fun's going to be there. And that was before fun, like had popped and then right. the new stuff had came out and I was like, oh, oh shit. That's going to yeah. be, that's going to be something real big. Yeah. It was just, I had no idea. So yeah. It's very interesting to watch too, how the fest changed too, you know, over the years, you know, whether it was different well, type of artists or the venues or the ticketing. It was around Christmas Eve 2012, we got a phone call that Beaumont was closing in a week on New Year's. And of course, that was our main venue for headlining acts. Mm-hmm. And then that was 100 days-ish before the festival in 2013. And then all of a sudden, we're like, well, I guess we're going to have to do something outside. <laughs> and... um we had the parking lot for one day and then we had uptown for one night yep. because they were reserved. It's like, yeah, you know, they have other shows and they have weddings and, um, but we had that year, 2013, we had grizzly, uh, grizzly hand, grizzly bear, rather, uh, grizzly bear and, uh, joy formidable at the uptown theater. 
Mm, mm, yeah. And then we brought back Grizzly Bear 2018, 2019. Looking forward to next year. I'm sure, you know, that's been a difficult decision. Obviously, you want to be safe and healthy this year not to do it. Uh, But excited to see how you all continue to, you know, adapt, just grow, just develop it, just polish it or, you know, or make it rougher even. Yeah, I mean, it'll be the 10th year of the festival when it does happen. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's exciting to hit any milestone like that. Um, And me and Nathan talked about it just last week. And I actually got hit up by a big sponsor wanting to sponsor the festival this year. And I was like, can you hang on a year? Yeah. <laughs> let's talk again next year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, let's just, so I want to go back to the star too. Mm-hmm. So, so basically you had stayed there until just what last March. Last, last July. We were furloughed in April and then they let everybody go in July. When when had you first started? Because you were at the star when you started at the bridge too, right? So I'm trying to. Yeah, figure- I started here. This is the sixth year of my show. That's it. Yeah, the bridge has only been in Kansas City seven years. Right. And then the start of the second year, we started the show the A one sixty. So you. Yeah, that's right. You were in- no wait. This is the seventh year of my show. The bridge has been in town eight years. Sorry, I lied. Okay, so you were, but you were still at the Star when you started at the bridge, obviously, because it was just until last yeah, year. Yeah, and that was a tough conversation. Um, but fortunately, there is a guy named Steve Kraske <laughs> over at KCUR, who's a longtime reporter for the Kansas City Star and mm-hmm. had a long-running show at KCUR. Yeah. And um, I kind of leveraged that. And then it was also it allowed me to piggyback my entire life. So if we were doing middle of the map, I could talk about middle of the map on air. Yeah. And then other things that were relevant, I could talk about and have a lot of cool crossover. And it felt organic. It still feels organic to me um, because we tried to be involved with interesting and cool things. And that's what the 8160 or anything on the bridge is all about highlighting interesting things to do and listen to in Kansas city. Mm, that's an interesting comparison with Steve. I always kind of wondered how that worked with up to date and then, you know, pen and columns too. Yeah. Uh, but you bring up a good point. Like there's a lot of cross pollination there. There's a lot well, of- now look at everything is cross. Yeah. yeah. Every TV anchor has a podcast. They're all on satellite radio and they're all on some talking head show at, on the evening news and, Mm-hmm. That's how it is. It's the fragmentation of it all. Right, right. Um, when you, again, I don't want to like say something that's like bad about the star, but I'm sure that was a little bittersweet with that news. But also, you know, changes have been happening there for four or five years. years it seems, oh, yeah. Right? Was In there kind the, of, I say writing on the wall, but. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a surprise, but. The COVID part sped up the fact of it happening, I think. Yeah. But, you know, in the arts and entertainment world, they let go of Tim Finn, you know, I don't know, two years, three years before that or something. And mm-hmm. the arts entertainment writers had been taking a hit. And that, that's sad to see happen. But, you know, I've had this conversation with people like, 
I know when people get laid off from the star or anything, they can walk away and be bitter and angry, but I, it's, I can't do that. It's, it gave me too much stuff. Right. It gave me this, I wouldn't be talking to you had I not had that. And I wouldn't have a radio show. Wouldn't have got to be part of a music festival. I wouldn't have met my wife. (laughs) It's just like, Mm -hmm. because of that, you know, it gave, it's given me a really fun life. And I know people will poop on it uh, a lot. And there's a whole Facebook group about that. (laughs) And I hate it, but um, I'm not that guy. So I loved my time there. And um, even my boss that I had till the end, Kyle, he was a great dude. Yeah. And um, I don't have any ill will toward him at all. But, um, you know, it came to an end in COVID times the same way so many other people's lives changed. Like all our musicians friends lives changed. Right. And, um, it just right. Hit, hit, hit me too. So that's, you know, and we hadn't even talked about star sessions. You know, you mentioned when Tim left, you took over the reins of that. And Chris, I mean, what you both did again for the label selfishly was awesome. You know, we had the ability to get up close and personal watching Kansas city artists and you had really great viewership too. I mean, I, I personally probably watched each one like 10 times. So I jacked up your numbers for you. It was a lot of fun. So every Monday at a noon, we would host a live stream concert. Yeah. Before everyone did live stream concerts, yep. we were doing them. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tim did them down at the Blue Room. And then um, I remember the day he called me out when he got laid off. And he's like, it's yours. Run with it. And, uh, <laughs> and then um, I had owed John Scott a huge favor from helping us out with middle of the map. And I told him someday I'm going to pay you back for that favor. And so then the second we got it, I moved it to uh, the black dolphin uh, yeah. right next to green lady lounge, right by the Kansas city star, mm-hmm. which was really convenient because our camera and uh, audio folks would just literally roll all their gear down grand in a wagon. And uh, we'd load in that way. Mm-hmm. And um, but we did star sessions there for like three years. Yeah. And then um, what it was, was they had changed the writing rules for Tim Finn. And he was really only allowed to write about big shows like Starlight or bigger shows. And he wasn't able to do the big features he would do local show on local artists like a four page story on the Grizzly Hand or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, it became the connection with the star to local music. And it was treated like editorial. So if a band had a new record coming out, we'd invite them to come on. If they were going on tour, we'd invite them to come on. If they had a huge placement, we'd have them come on and talk about having their song during the Super Bowl. And mm-hmm. um, it was a lot of fun. And the numbers were really good. And then um, it was on Facebook Live. And then as the Chiefs got better... <laughs> People would turn, we did a lot of Facebook live events with the Chiefs on the Stars page. People would turn on their auto alerts. So every time the Star went live, they'd get a notification. And a lot of that was because of the Chiefs. But like the first song of some of those performances, the numbers were so jacked high because people were turning in thinking it was something about Mahomes. But in in reality, it was going to be, you know, a, a Kansas City musician pouring their soul out. And I love those numbers. They were great. Yeah. I, I love the fact, though, that it was middle of the day. 
you know, yeah, like it was the idea. Was cool. If you back when people worked in an office, you'd sit at your office and your desk and you'd eat your sandwich and soup and you could put on your headphones and hide for a minute and enjoy some new new music in your computer. Oh, and yeah. I think it was that kind of this refuge place for people in the middle of their Monday. Mm -hmm. And the again, sound quality, the video. Oh, the sound is great. Uh, the, all that stuff. And John Scott, I still have the key. It's on my keychain still. I asked him if he wanted it back and he didn't, he never wanted it back. But uh, our sound person and video person, Beth, she's still doing the Facebook live events for the star. She was just a force and she would study like how to mic the grand piano better. And uh, she loved the big jazz things we would do and all the horns and. Oh yeah. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. I think in some ways it was pretty cutting edge when you look at some of the live streams coming out now. I mean, it's, it's great quality. It's, well, and it, it's, it's a, such a dramatic stage. It's that black and gold and yeah. huge curtain. And it was fun too, because when the tank room became the black dolphin, you know, it's a jazz club. So unless you're a jazz man, you're not playing in there unless mm -hmm. you played star sessions. Right. And then everybody played there from the greeting committee to Hembry to hip hop. Uh, they all got to play there under that guise. Yeah. I clearly remember Calvin wearing his gold robes. Was that for his set or the one he did with making movies? I'm trying to remember, but he, he matched the, the, uh, back, the background. It, was, the background. Uh, it was awesome. That set that they did, they did a split set to promote their New Year's Eve show at the Truman, right. making movies and Calvin. That was one of the craziest ones we ever did. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's so many people and so much gear and Ashley Miller is just a force yeah <laughs> but uh that was a fun one he's a freak we can say that like you got a million things going on and we've been scheming on a couple projects as well you want to talk just a little bit about spray kc and then we'll move yeah. on to the other two questions and wrap this puppy up sure so um spray kc is my new job my new gig and uh it is a new arts nonprofit here in kansas city and when i was at the star i met a guy named vince sanders and vince sanders is a very successful businessman who has, he owns, founded, CEO of American Shaman CBD. And I met him in 2019 when he was sponsoring an event in town and the sales rep at the star, Patrick, he uh, came to me and he's like, hey man, I got this client, you know the client, cause it, it was one of the biggest accounts in the entire company of McClatchy that owned the star, American Shaman was. 
will you go help him with this event? Cause I know you know how to do that stuff. Cause you did that thing. And uh, it was always really funny and vague, but um, my coworkers knew that I knew how to do some music stuff and they knew I had a radio show. So like, will you go help my client? And I'm like, yeah, I'll go help. I'll go to some meetings. And so I went to these meetings for this event in 2019 and got to meet all these great people over at American Shaman. And then um, we started planning another event involving murals, spray paint murals um, around town and then befriended them. And then COVID hit and then the spike got worse. So something's changed. But what it's become now is an amazing nonprofit that works with charter schools, which are inner city and usually more blighted areas. And the goal is to create art and murals within these schools to inspire these kids. Mm-hmm. And um, just this morning, I toured another school. I was at uh, Lee A. Tolbert this morning. Great. Have you been there? I love those guys. They were in our intramural. We did like charter schools don't have a league for sport. Right. So basically we cobble it together on our own and the Tolbert family are just, they're awesome people. So, so how it works now is we partner with uh, Startland Innovation uh, on this project and they're going to lead a, a one day event with these uh, seventh and eighth grade kids about entrepreneurship. And in the entrepreneur event, they will turn these kids into entrepreneurs and have them present the idea, well, to how to represent them best in a mural. And they'll go on the web and they'll find things that they think best represent them as students and, um, and just people that, you know, living a little different, living a very different life than what I lived. And then they'll tell us an idea for what they think they'd like to see on a mural. And then I'll go out and I'll curate artists from Kansas City and beyond to help them create this idea of what these kids think best represents them and put this on these walls at the school. And we're painting the entire side of the middle school there. Oh, great. 32 feet tall, probably by, I don't know, a hundred feet wide mm-hmm. and probably bring in four artists, but we've done several schools now and those are all harder to see because a lot of them are inside, but we also painted the giant building on the plaza right next to Chewy's. Uh, there's 70,000 square foot of spray paint on that building from five different artists, Scribe and uh, JT Daniels from here in Kansas City, uh, Octavio and Tiger Sasha from near Fayetteville, and then Anna Charney from Denver. And um, it's been an awesome opportunity for me. And it's a continuation of curation, like we're, you know, before COVID and now again, get to curate music festivals and events and book bands and stuff and bring artists together. And now I'm just doing it in a different way on murals and the part that is fun. And you mentioned earlier, teacher, student or children of teachers follow in their parents' footsteps. It's been fun getting to work with some students on these projects to kind of capture what's in their head, mm-hmm. and what best represents them on a mural. It's, and uh, it's been fun. It's special, Chris. I see you're learning a lot too, just about not only the education system, but specifically the history in Kansas City of schools. Oh, yeah. And, and then, like you said, we've been working on some projects and we're going to start pairing up with some nonprofits and um, we're going to work with Trustapalooza, which a lot of our music friends are involved in. 
Yeah. And then last year, those Black Lives Matter street murals were all over town. Those mm-hmm. are going to shift to buildings, and we're going to be part of that this year. Oh, cool. Uh, there's some stuff happening in the West Bottoms that me and you are part of, Patrick, and uh, we're going to have the our, our, uh, our footprint down there, too. That's great. Chris invited me, gosh, a month ago, Chris, to the Kaufman School, which... right. To be fair, it's already an impressive building. I mean, it's it cool. looks like NASA. It's it's unreal. Yeah. But what I was trying to explain, looking at these murals, and I think the key is you're getting the kids buy-in. Like this is who we want to be portrayed, and we'll just say it: we want to see people that look like us, right. not a bunch of old white dudes, which I'm one of. And um, so it was fascinating to go into their building and see. The one faced, I guess, is that mire or swope that comes around and like the windows had this like light shining through the mural on that side. Yeah. And then on it's, the, uh, the Paseo, the, 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 the windows look out onto the Paseo. Right. And, yeah. and, it, and they're cool. It's like groovy, like 19, I don't know, it's like 1970s, but like just soulful images and words. And then the other wall, Chris, do you want to tell us who are the four? People I'm not going to remember everyone's names, but Amanda Gorman is the centerpiece right. of that wall. And of course, she spoke at the she read a poem at the inauguration. Right. And then Cesar Chavez and Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And then a young woman who was uh, part of the civil rights movement who said no to sitting right. in the back of the bus. Right. Uh, similar to Rosa Parks. And then another woman who was um, involved in a school shooting, I believe, in Florida, who's turned into quite the activist. But they're on that wall, and that wall right. is 20 feet tall by 60 feet wide in the cafeteria it's, of a 1,200-student school. It's And the whole idea is literally our founder, Vince, his idea, his motivation is to inspire these kids who might not have inspiration anywhere else. Yeah. That, uh, that lady you were looking for the name of before Rosa Parks was Claudette Colvin. Yes. Claudette. Uh, Thank which you. I, which I learned from drunk history. Thank you. Drunk history. Oh, really? Well, yeah. <laughs> and again, what was fascinating and I hope I can share this, Chris, was that, you know, they asked the kids like, who do you want up there? And again, they felt it was important to have a white person on there. And it was funny. Yeah. That, that school is 1200 students. And I was told that five white kids go there. And in these Zoom calls with the students, they give us this great feedback. And then we, we get that chance to introduce them to the artists, which they immediately treat like rock stars. Yeah. And, uh, they said how so it was important for them to have everyone included, including a white person. So Ruth Bader Ginsburg, it was. I mean, not only is the art beautiful and, of course, the inclusivity beautiful as well. I was just saying, like, the school I worked at, Academy Lafayette, it's got an excellent academic reputation. But the fact is, their original building on Oak, the old J.C. Nichols building, is in dis- it's in disrepair. Like, boarded up windows. Like, heating systems don't work. Just not good. Yeah. And so when you come into a school building where it doesn't look nice, and again, the families tried so hard to make it a pretty building, and don't get, me, don't get the wrong idea, but a lot of these schools, they're just not pleasing places to walk into. And so... You, do you really want to study? Do you want to show up for class? Right. As, as a teacher, as a staff member, as a custodian, as a librarian there, we want it to look nice too. And I just thought walking into that building and I want to work today. I want to learn. I want to do the right. best I can for these kids. Or as a student, I want to work for my teacher. And so I hope you can continue to partner with, again, charter schools or public schools, everybody, 
Uh, they're beautiful projects. I, I got Go some real quick. I just wanted to thank Chris for all that he does for local artists. Yeah. Um, and like, and, and me personally, like just, I, like I, I used to manage a band that uh, let's just say had a toxic individual in it and kind of everybody in Kansas city knew that. Uh, but I would never stop messaging Chris about like, Hey, will you give us a shot on this thing? Will you like, will you help? Like, can we get on this show? Can we do this? Can we do that? And either, either from me, him just wanting me to stop emailing him or, or messaging him. He's like, yeah, here's like, here's this slot at middle of the map, you know, like he just gives opportunities to people. Um, and it's really important what you do. Uh, so I just wanted to say thanks for, uh, doing that for all these Kansas City musicians. Thanks, man. Th things like that go a huge way with me and with Nathan Roosh. Yeah. And it's like, I always thought it was funny because I used to do those pregame concerts at the K with the Royals. And then, you know, for a decade, we had a stage at the Plaza Art Fair and people would, would email me and message me that I've never met and never said hi or never tried to like, back when people shook hands, shake my hand when you're literally everywhere for someone to meet you. <laughs> yeah. You know, if, you, if you're a band and you want to play a Royals game, you should have come to a Royals game when we had a band play and come and said, hi, I was sitting side stage. Or if you mm -hmm. wanted to play art fair and never got to play art fair, you should have walked down there and dealt with the parking situation and come by the side stage and said, Hey, can we do this? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you probably would have got to play because we're nice people. Yeah. And um, you just got to ask. Yeah, that's really it. You got to ask. And to learn that, it doesn't hurt to ask. That's a huge thing to learn. And I've said that. I know Patrick mentioned we met at Mixmaster. And I, I, I said that at Mixmaster. It's like people just don't even ask a lot of times to be on something. Mm -hmm. And it's the same way with even the radio show. And me and Mark Manning have talked about that a lot. Like just how hard it is to get music sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, you play on the radio like we want to help you we want to let more people learn about your music just send it to us everybody again chris's show every tuesday at 8160 it's just phenomenal and again i think a good comparison is with mark manning both of you are very detailed chris you're champions of all different styles not only music just yeah. of human beings and one thing again you said at that very first Mixmaster is like a sub part of Crossroads Music Fest. I don't want to go into all the details on that, but Chris had said like bands say, I can't get played on the radio or whatever. Well, they never asked you. They never, right. they never reached out. What, Where? what is the easiest way? Is that what you're going to ask Chris? Yep. <laughs> I mean, you can email me concertchris at gmail.com. My email's on my Facebook page, which is public. My email is on the Bridges site under my radio show, the 8160. Mm -hmm. And as things slowly emerge, you can safely and socially distancely approach me at a show and uh, <laughs> ask me to play something. It, it, it's, it's not that hard. And, you know, if it shows up in my inbox, I imagine 99% of the time I'm going to play it. There's very little music that's ever come to me that I'm like, nope, not playing you. I just, and, and if it is that way, it's probably because you're a creep and you did something wrong. Uh, but otherwise, like, a lot of it just gets played. Yeah. You again, I've asked Chris a couple of times recently. Is it OK if I send you stuff from someone? And this person could also just as easily send it to you themselves. Right. Yeah. We're now just getting in context. But you shared a database with me 
a week or two ago of just new releases this year. I think there were a couple at the very end of December. What was that like, Chris? Like a hundred, no, 200? It's, it's uh, 175 now. And I think I put three more on there today. Jesus. And that's, you know, still during the pandemic of just new Kansas City releases, which yeah. was created by you, Mark Manning at KKFI and Michelle Bacon. Right. We've you know, done like, that probably back to like 2014 or 2015, just to have this archive list of music to know what has come out in Kansas City. Yeah. And that's just what we know of. Like, I'm sure there's so much more small hip hop SoundCloud kids knocking out releases that we that aren't on our radar. Mm-hmm. And that's when I reach out to young Aaron Rhodes over at Shuttlecock Music Magazine and get his insight and have him add stuff. And absolutely, or go the other way and hit a Bill Brownlee for the jazz records. Mm-hmm. And um, but try just to try to create this inclusive list of everything, just to document it because nobody else is. That's so important, though, too. Again, trying to give all the different styles and people, you know, some representation. Um, it's again, Chris, you're very welcoming. I think we see that in Kansas City. Chris Mowry and I have discussed it too. Like, bands are like, why can't I get a gig at this venue? It's like, well, because you never go there, <laughs> you never spend any time there. Get involved, just take a step. People are very Trump, approachable here, you Trump know. The shows and introduce yourself. Yeah. That's how. Like, to be completely honest, and this is going to sound really weird, right? And I I don't mean it to, but this is just what I knew I had to do. When I started managing Pink Royal, and I knew that, like, not a lot of people would know know them that much because they were from Kansas. They're from Lawrence, Kansas, and, like, Lawrence knew who they were, but, like, people in Kansas City had no idea. So what I did was I started going to Nathan Corsi's um, sets that he would play at Ernie Biggs, like, just his, like, cover sets. And I knew like being there, I would like start meeting Sandra. I would start meeting all these people that right. would be like so important to know, like, and just like start beginning relationships with all these people. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. it's just like finding those things where you go, Hey, I know this band is playing here. The, I'm like-minded with this band. I should go and just introduce myself to people and, and go wow. meet people there. That's, yeah. I don't know. That's just kind of how I did it, how I started like popping up all over the place. And I don't think that's fake either, Chris. That's earnest. Like that's, yeah. The, that's, and the I, right that's, why, that's the reason why I said it, it might sound weird. Like, I don't want to make it sound like, oh, I know I just have to be friends with these people. It wasn't like, it wasn't fake at all. Like I went and became friends with these people, you know? Get involved. Yeah. And I, I, know I think with this, with the current generation and then in the post pandemic, like that's going to get so much harder Yeah, because kids don't a lot don't want that initial confrontation mm-hmm. of trying to meet someone mm-hmm. and they're so used to doing it in their phone and not yeah. in person especially in a pandemic but it was bad before that yeah yeah well you've heard it here loud and clear everybody if you are interested in <laughs> having some music played on an awesome radio station if you're potentially interested in finding an event where you or your band can perform you need to reach out to Chris Gary. <laughs> He's available everywhere, all over Kansas City.
don't know what you don't miss, but the power is revealed. In the presence of his perfect lips, I know it might sound funny, maybe slightly absurd, but his hands are equally skilled. What's going on here? Welcome back to Center Cuts. We are still breathing here with Mr. Chris Aguirian and Mr. Chris Mowry. By the way, I forgot to mention, we're all Zooming still. We, we could have been together to breathe on each other, but we're feeling real good and safe this way too. So I hope you're all staying safe. We learned a little bit, well, we talked about our concert calendar, monthly calendar. We learned a little bit about Chris's life growing up, musical inspirations, experiences, his many various roles, whether it was with the Daily Kansan, his high school newspaper, Ink, the star, the bridge, middle of the map, spray KC. I think I summarized it there. So we want to talk a little bit about something you like about Kansas City, Chris. It could be really whatever's on your mind right now. Well, it's topical and an anniversary of uh, last year as COVID was breaking out. Um, me and my buddy John K started working on this event. Like I had just got laid off from the star in April and in like five seconds was starting to lose my mind because I need to be busy <laughs> and COVID immediately hit the brakes on so many things. But um, we started working on this event called uh, KC Bands Together. And that's something that I think we do really well is help each other out. Uh, the great organization of Midwest Music Foundation and, you know, off the bat, Victor and Penny were so fast to put together a charity event for Midwest Music Foundation. Like in April, I mean, you know, right after COVID was starting and raised a bunch of money for our Kansas City musicians who didn't have gigs or maybe they were also uh, worked in the food and beverage industry, then they couldn't have that job because there was a total shutdown. And, um, Midwest Music Foundation provided grants to these musicians to help them just stay alive, to help them survive such crazy times. And Casey Vance Together was something that we whipped together and, you know, you call on your friends and uh, call on your friends to, for sponsorships, like, like Center Cut, and you guys gave us a donation. And, um, and then people just gave us, gave us money. We did a two-night live a lot of it was live. Some of it was uh, sent in videos with 20 musicians and 21 guests introducing them, including Jason Sudeikis and our, our own mayor. And um, it worked <laughs> and it raised like 40K. And then one of those sponsors has continued to donate, which is Eula Men's Clothing Store over in Westwood where they make these really nice masks, which you should still be wearing. And um, they donate a lot of that money back to MMF. And when Sarge, uh, James Carter hooked that deal up, I didn't realize that it was gonna be this gift that kept giving, but they've given like, I don't know, seven grand or something to MMF based on those continuing mask sales. And uh, the event was a lot of fun and, you know, we probably could have done another one now, um, but we were served a cease and desist. Uh, oh, you on, were? Based on the naming of that event. Really? Yeah, there's an organization like MMF in one of the Carolinas called Bands Together. 
and on like the Monday or Tuesday after it, we got an email saying, congrats on your event. It looks like it went well, but you can't ever do it again because that's our name. Oh. But, uh, we were called KC Bands together. They're called Band together. And then um, we were fine because it was a one-time event and we sold our merch and we sold out. And then we killed the URL and all that. But what was funny was maybe three weeks after that, Dave Matthews and Brandy Carlisle <laughs> created band yeah. together. Yep. And I was like, bring it on kids. You go fight that battle. <laughs> you go fight Dave Matthews and Brandy Carlisle money. Yep. Well, and I was going to ask, I, I don't know why I haven't asked you that, Chris. So you're, you're not going to do it again because it was just, it's amazing. That was April. It was May. It was May like 12th, 13th. It's like literally a year ago. Lord, you put, I remember you reached out to see if it was Calvin at first would be interested in performing. And then we started talking about sponsorship. And I mean, as we talked about, people were just, I think, stunned at first. Like, is this really happening with the pandemic? Like not being able to go out. And then yeah. you just needed something to hold on to, some hope or some activity, something to do. Right. Both those nights were stellar. Was it 10 artists each night? Yeah. Holy, that's 20 artists. I mean, it, it very literally happened in three weeks. Yeah. John Kay does a lot of the social media for things like Boulevardia and then Planet Comic Con. And he had just bought some subscription to some service to do Planet Comic Con panels. And perhaps regrettably, he tagged me on something on Facebook. And I'm like, I bet this guy could do this. And then so we pretended we knew how to produce a TV show and got all these acts and called on a lot of favors. And um, it worked out and it raised 40 grand. And then we got to do some other stuff and people started calling us to consult on how do you guys do this? And we produced Crossroads Music Festival for KKFI and um, the MMF people asked us some stuff for Apocalypse Meow and the greater um, the Kansas City Area Development Council asked us for some guidance for their annual event, which was amazing, uh, where they do a big feature on to attract people to Kansas City events. And um, I don't know, it just felt weird that we made this TV show and then it became a TV show. Literally it aired yeah. as an hour long show on uh, Kansas City PBS, sort of a highlight reel which was terrifying. We took seven hours of footage and tried to find 56 minutes to make a highlight reel from that. Mm -hmm. How do you say John's last name? It's K-R-E-I-C-S? John Kreisberg. Okay, Kreisberg. Because, yeah, I just talked to Bill Sundahl the other day and was commenting how the production, again, I don't think people necessarily understand like all the technological aspects that go into that. We're trying to get different things queued up at the same time because you, you got a time limit right like you just said you absolutely get... and we had to cut somebody off mm -hmm. on cmf because you were live to radio as yeah. well as the internet yeah the internet is more forgiving than the radio mm -hmm. but when you're live and um and when we did cmf everyone was live except for julia othmer and mm -hmm. that's because she was uh used to live in outside of la and there was the wildfires were burning Fires, yeah. and she had rolling blackouts and uh, sometimes no Wi-Fi. So 
instead of risking it, she recorded in advance and sent us in her uh, videos. Got you. Got you. No, and again, the, the name Casey Bands Together was brilliant. I mean, it seems so easy to name an event. That stinks that you can't use that anymore. It was a really- it's impossible to name events, by the way. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Frustrating. It's a, uh, it, it was a lovely moment. And I remember again, it was just giving us as a label something to look forward to, something to promote as well. And again, not in a fake way, but like, this is important, especially supporting the foundation. Like you mentioned, I think Victor and Penny raised 20 grand to kick things yeah. off. Again, that led into Eula. Those guys are doing great things over there. I think it's just made people be aware. And, and in some ways, we tried to kind of use that as a temple a little bit for when we did our benefit SOSKC in December. Like, let's right. get some different artists that maybe people don't know about and then have some testimonials, you know, and just started asking people. My favorite part was at the end of it. Sorry, there's a siren going by. Oh, we like it. We like dog. We like the sounds of the city. Yeah, that's right. Big city. <laughs> We're still going by. They're looking for you. I don't know. You seem like a law. By the way, Chris, you seem like a law abiding young man for someone who hangs out, you know, in the CD entertainment world sometimes. I, I appreciate you calling me a young man. Um, <laughs> no, but my, one of my favorite things about that whole event was the very end of each night. I joked, but it was very true. Like if we knew how to make a credit scroll, we would have done that. But instead, I just read off who we wanted to thank because we'd never done anything like that. Yeah. And um, we just wanted to do something to help MMF and our musician friends. And I also wanted to not go crazy uh, since I was furloughed. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Kudos. Kudos. Yeah. And I know for all the artists involved, they felt very, I'm sure, humble to be asked. And oh. also thrilled to be able to do what they have been doing, you know. And the folks here too, John Hart was great in that because he reached out to Samantha Fish. He got Kevin Morvey and Katie Kirchfield Waxahachie involved. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there was a few other near misses on that that we've never talked about. So I'll leave them as near misses. But um, gotcha. you know, we were entertaining huge names and we got huge names. Mm -hmm. And it was awesome that Billy Brimblecombe uh, from Steps of Faith and Thundergong brought in Jason Sudeikis to be part of that. And uh, it all worked out. It felt very, very pure and, and yeah. very organic too. Not like some big overhyped produced thing. Like seasons changing, yeah, it's that kind of story We were more than smoke and mirrors Oh, I've touched you myself with these two hands I can feel my heart beat loudly Oh, I miss you myself with my heart Now you see me, now you don't what about something, this is supposed to be the focus of our podcast, which we fail at miserably. 
what's something in your esteemed opinion that the Kansas City music industry needs, could do better, room for improvement, change? Any thoughts on that? I wish that we had a resource of someone who had toured a lot. And I know Lennon Bone, who was the drummer in Ha Ha Tonka for a long time, has turned into an amazing resource. But how amazing would it be if we had a go-to person in this town that could set up a tour up and down I-35? If they could help a band route dates from Minneapolis to Austin or San Antonio, mm-hmm. and you're literally never off of I-35. And when they go to those cities, you befriend the bands in those cities and you trade shows. And I've told this to bands that have gone to South by Southwest before. And I love obviously the Midcoast takeover. And, um, but instead of hanging out with a bunch of Kansas city bands that live perhaps in your own zip code, how, how much better would it be if you're in, in Austin already and you're going to play your 40 minute set, but to go to other showcases from other States that are doing things like that event and you meet bands from Oklahoma and you meet bands from Minnesota and you become friends with them and you trade shows. Cause you know, you can draw 75 people on a Friday at the brick or the Rhino and you befriend a band in Minnesota. And then you go up to Minnesota and they can draw 75 people on a Friday and then they'll come see you for the first time. Mm-hmm. But those trading shows moments, that's how you build relationships. And I wish there was more of that. And I wish there was somebody that could help people route tour dates up and down I-35 or across I-70 or something like that. But it'd be, it'd be such a great resource if we had that skill to give to people and just that list of names. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's an interesting you know, question too. I wonder sometimes, is that because artists don't necessarily want to share their contacts, which again is understandable. I think there's some of that, understandably. You know, just I got to keep the gig that I have in Omaha or the gig right. I have in Des Moines. Um, or or, or you just, the, the other thing too is you have the agents who are like, if, if the local band has an, let's say the local band has an agent, then the agent is really just trying to make sure that their band gets paid. You yeah. know, they're not worried about, they're not so much worried about and wrongfully they're not so much worried about um, them making connections with a bunch of people there. They're worried about them playing a gig there, trying to build a base and, and making sure that they get paid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I, I wonder sometimes too, like when's the right time as an artist to have, have a booking agent, you know, cause obviously you're going to have to, you're going to, you're delegating some of those responsibilities potentially, but then you're also going to have to give them some, some compensation for their efforts, you know? And I think yep. you got to be at a certain level as an artist to be able to do that, like actually be busy enough that you need help. And then also financially successful enough that you can pay someone 10% or 15, same for a manager, you know? Right. Have you ever heard of anyone, Chris, in Kansas city, that's like tried to offer those kind of services to artists? No. Yeah. And you would think, there are just so many great artists here. I mean, just so many across all genres. You would just think that somebody somewhere along the line, maybe even if there's there's like, there's people that are agents that are from Kansas city, but they can't, 
they are like contractually obligated to just work with those artists, you know, mm -hmm. like they can't, they can't, um, they can't just like do like do what oh, you're saying and and without like them being like all right well sign this here contract and right. uh, i'll be your agent you know or whatever and i'm not even talking agent related venues like not a lot of bands that play at the brick or the rhino have agents no no no, no. but yeah. i'm not i'm not talking 400 cap record bars right i'm talking 75 person rooms which is where everybody's going to start right but you know that resource somebody could probably knock that out and, and it wouldn't be too impossible um maybe mm -hmm. that's a project for mm -hmm. um, you patrick if you want to make that part of center cut well i can tell you you know i guess we can air this like two years ago start of 2019 i had a couple interns work for us and basically we made a database chris looking for all major venues i'm not talking like sprint center but maybe Midland, Uptown, Down, to coffee shops uh, in pretty much every major city in America and including some smaller cities too because I sometimes think that those are the best markets to target because they don't have somebody running through right. St. Joe all the time, right? Right. And so we also looked for record stores in those towns. We looked for LGBTQ organizations. We looked for uh, independent media like The Pitch or The Ink, uh, independent radios, college radio stations, and we've got it all. Well, obviously, you know, and we used that uh, for Calvin to start booking him some shows that spring of 2019 successfully, just blind reaching out to venues. Mm -hmm. But I, but I'm curious now, like how valid that database is, considering venues some have been shuttered for a year. Yeah, there you used know? to be, and I don't know if it still exists, and maybe Chris will know this. There used to be this website called Indie on the Move. Yeah, which was like an indie band, like net network basically for for bookers for bands themselves to like look through the city that they were trying to route through and it would show you all the venues and hopefully give you the correct contact the problem was a lot of the times it was not the correct contact info right. that that stuff had changed like the, the booker from that venue is no longer there so you're emailing somebody that doesn't work there anymore or yeah, right. those kind of things um but i remember using that when i would do uh blind emails and stuff like that a lot and I mean, a lot of people are going to be people just like you, Maori, with your yeah. production gig at at Record Bar and Lemonade, where um, they're going to get inundated with stuff. But if there was like a pin, a point person that you knew that in eight cities, they knew that person's name and they knew they weren't going to send them trash, that they were going to send them something, even if they can't draw, that's compelling. It's yeah. interesting looks mm -hmm. good on stage they're not up there in shorts and flip-flops respect the stage and don't wear shorts on stage but uh <laughs> if you're gonna route good music and if it'd be cool if there was that point person yeah i think it would have to be someone who's got you know kind of like artists they've got the day job and, and like record labels to be honest they've got their they've got their income source at first at least and they just start trying to help, you know, a few people at a time. And then if it takes off, then eventually, in theory, that could become a self-sustaining, you know, career. I don't know about benefits and stuff like that, but yeah, I, I totally agree with you. It You need it. It's just such a shot in the dark for artists to know, like, who do I talk to? Where do I go? And well, and I remember, too, as like as like 
all I ever wanted to do as like a, as a, somebody who, who helped a band book or helped or like was managing them. All I was trying to do was trying to get them in front of a bigger audience and just trying to take steps to do that. So yeah. for a long time, and it would get so frustrating to just send blind emails and just, just never get responses back. Yeah. And that, that was always the, t- like you would do that to like magazines to, um, uh, you know, online outlets to booking agent or to other booking agents to be like, Hey, do you have a tour that this band would fit with? Or like those kind of things. Like you would just constantly be sending those things. But eventually mm-hmm. it came to a point where you're like, well, clearly I don't have the connections to, to take that step. It's almost like you are trying to find an agent or a manager that is more accomplished that already has those things together or a PR yeah. company that you could just be like, you know what, I'm just going to pay you the money to, and you can, you already have the connections, you know, yeah. <laughs> like instead right. of like, just for, for so long, you can just feel like you're not making any traction or you're just beating your head against a wall. Yeah. Um, we should tell Sarge this idea, you know, and God, Chris, I met with him. So James Carter, we've mentioned with you found music that March 12th with Fritz. And this is exactly what we were discussing and you know how to get again that's our goal as a label is to get our artists out of Kansas City to get them on a national level you know to help them go where they want to go i would say though it's kind of those small victories i was sometimes surprised how often people did get back and not with just yeah. some generic stock thing like we're not taking you're not ready to play our club or whatever but like hey maybe we can't do it right now you need to let us know ahead of time because again, a lot of artists try to book a show tomorrow. <laughs> We've discussed that on previous programs. Like yeah. Yeah, three, six months might be a good yeah. range. And then, and then, or you wouldn't work in our club, but here's a place you should contact to. Yeah. And kind of building on that for the next round, when we're looking for Calvin in the Falls, like this is working in theory. I, I would say too, a lot of that, like me say, I, I made it sound like really terrible and like there weren't those small victories, but like early on it is, Oh yeah. Like just your heart getting broken constantly. Uh, oh, yeah. And you like learn from those mistakes or like, I didn't know what I was doing and I booked a tour, you know, mm-hmm. like if you don't mm-hmm. know what you're doing, that, that doesn't, uh, it benefits you because now you know what not to do. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's like a learning process. And, and I noticed like once I started working with pink Royal, I had like a firmer grasp of like where things needed to happen and how we needed to. Sure. Do sure. Well, I think the three of us are probably a little thick skinned on that. Sometimes, you know, you just reach out and you do your best and you try to be persistent, but not obnoxious. And if people don't want to get back to you, then, you know, I guess you just knock on someone else's door, right? Yep. I try to reply and uh, sometimes it can get overwhelming. Yeah, it can. Sure. Sure. I, I do try to reply to, or, you know, apologize profusely when I see the person six months later, like, oh, dude, I never did get back to you about that. Sorry. Anyway, uh, guys, I think we cover a lot of ground here. Chris, you may have broken Jackie's record. Um, <laughs> I stopped, watch stopped in the middle of this. You're going to put music in this too, right? <laughs> yeah, just all crap stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, Chris Agarian, it's a pleasure. As Chris Mowry mentioned, thanks for all that you do. I mean, again, you are been in a lot of places over a lot amount of time in Kansas City. I feel like you are a Kansas City native at this point. Um, thanks for always scheming and dreaming too about what's next, you know, and, and, and trying to give people some hope, not just during the pandemic, but in general, you know, some things to thanks for saying that. And um, that's the fun part. Like I had a really awesome meeting yesterday 
that led me into a spreadsheet today with a whole bunch of new potential. Yeah. And uh, when you have those moments all the time and you, people give you those phone calls, it's awesome. Absolutely. And um, lucky to take those phone calls. Excited to see, you know, some more developments with Spray KC. I think Kansas City just need to see what some of these artists are creating for our spaces, whether in the schools or on the buildings and the streets. They're just gorgeous. And, you know, thanks. It's, it's been a lot of fun and it feels good too. It feels good to work in this uh, with the nonprofit and literally to inspire these kids. Definitely. Well, Everybody, it's been a great day. Uh, this should air in a week, hopefully. We are going to try to get back on our schedule soon. Everybody, lots of events coming up, so stay stay safe out there. I try to end every show. I'm getting a little rusty, Chris. Kansas City, stay safe, stay strong. Peace out. <laughs>